0: Thank you for watching this virtual lecture event hosted by the Institute of World Politics. For those of you who are new, IWP is a Graduate School of National Security and International Affairs. We have five master's degree programs, 18 certificates of study, and a new doctoral program. If you're interested in learning more about us, please visit iwp.edu. Today's lecture event is a part of the 13th Annual Kosciuszko Chair Conference. This conference is sponsored by the Kosciuszko Chair of Polish Studies and the Center for Intermarium Studies. This evening, we'll be hearing from Ms. Maria Uchewska. Ms. Uchewska is a communication specialist with a versatile international experience. Her education in linguistics, culture studies, and international affairs, combined with years of living abroad makes her point of view unique and comprehensive. Mrs. Uchewska worked for the Kosciuszko Chair of Polish Studies from 2014 to 2020, and she is a graduate of IWP's MA program. At present, she's working on her PhD in political philosophy. Krzyczewska, welcome, and thank you for joining us this evening.
1: Welcome, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my great pleasure to talk to you uh, at 13th Kościuszko-Chair Conference, which we are organizing online. I sincerely hope that we will be able to meet in person next time, but today uh, it is my great pleasure to talk about a person which is very inspiring and a little bit mysterious and which continues uh, the cycle of lectures I proposed a while ago about Polish women and Polish heroes of the Second World War. My presentation is going to be devoted to Stanisława Leszczyńska, who is also known as the midwife uh, from Auschwitz. Please listen to her fascinating story. So Stanisława Leszczyńska is a little mysterious person, um, also in Poland. I believe that um, anybody knowledgeable with the medical profession must have heard about her. But for many years, she was not widely known in Poland. Recently, there has been some interest uh, renewed in her and there is a documentary um, about her life, uh, which was supposed to be premiered on October 8th, but unfortunately, the premiere was canceled during uh, due to a pandemic. Uh, but certainly, um, it the story of her life has not been um, widely known. Uh, even in my own country. I came across her story quite by accident, um, seeing an exhibition about her many years ago in one of the Warsaw churches. And I thought that this life and and the amazing things that she was able to perform in Auschwitz truly deserve a mention, especially because uh, we are trying to remember all the Polish heroes of the Second World War. For many years, I have been fascinated by the silent bravery of Polish people who suffered under German occupation. And her stories were many times forgotten and not widely circulated, also due to Poland's isolation after the Second World War, uh, when it was divided from the Western world by the Iron Curtain. So now I am very happy to be able to talk about Stanisława Leszczyńska and why she was so unique. She was unique because when she was serving as a midwife in the Auschwitz concentration camp as one of the prisoners, uh, she was delivering children in horrific um, hygienic conditions and yet not one mother and not one child died at childbirth, which I personally see as a miracle. And um, to many people, it still remains a mystery. Uh, but her story um, is um, much more fascinating because it's not only the two years that she spent in Auschwitz that were interesting and and formidable, uh, but all her life in general is a very inspiring story of devoted service to other people. Um, so fir- first of all, it is important to mention that she delivered uh, more than 3,000 children for two years, which gives an average of uh, three, three uh, and a half child per day and obviously, sometimes she had days when she was devel- delivering more children and sometimes fewer. But but still, it was possible for her to do it um, in very austere conditions. Uh, and when working, um, in fact, alone, because uh, the German Wagerarsten, uh, that is the, the camp, camps doctors, we're not helping um, Polish uh, and other non German inmates, uh, even in difficult situations. Uh, so, here you can see the picture of uh, Stanisława as a young girl, and her story is fascinating from the very beginning because she was born in Łódź, one of the major industrial cities of the um, Polish kingdom, and that was um, um, the part of partition Poland, which used to be a part of uh, the Russian Empire, in uh, 1896. And then when she was a teenager, her family uh, decided to try to emigrate to Brazil in search of better life opportunities, and she spent two years in Brazil between 1908 and 1910. The result of her stay in Brazil was that she was able to speak fluent German, which she learned at school. And if we look at her life in some longer perspective, it might be seen as the beginning of her path to Auschwitz, in fact. Uh, because, of course, when you look backwards at somebody's life, you can, you can tell that there are certain steps that will lead to this or other um, development in in the life of those people or it will help them in in the future um, to to build from something quite unexpected and i think that her stay in brazil and encounter with different cultures and with difficult conditions which require adaptation uh, as well as learning german uh, was in fact um, such stage or such step from the very beginning, she is very involved in in the social service, and she sees herself as an active part of the society. During the First World War, she is active um, in um, in charitable institutions in Poland, and um, the end of her engagement in those activities coincides with the date of her marriage. She got married as a 20-year-old in 1916. So I suppose that since then, she focused on, um, on her um, professional work as a midwife and on her married life. Uh, she decided quite early that she wanted to be a midwife. And uh, even though she lived in Łódź, she was commuting to Warsaw to um, to study in a prestigious in in a prestigious school, school uh, um, which taught women how to become midwives, and there is one anecdote related to uh, to that period. Um, apparently, one of her and colleagues said that the moment she graduated from the school, on her way back to the railway station, which was um, where she was supposed to catch the train from Warsaw to Łódź, she visited the church, uh, which I'm showing here in the picture, and she made a vow to um, to the Holy Virgin that she will stop practicing her profession if she loses a patient. So she was quite committed to being a, a good midwife, and there was a spiritual element present in her work from the very start. And this is something I would like to talk a little bit more before I proceed to to the period of her life in Auschwitz, uh, because this kind of Marian uh, Marian veneration and and the life. The professional life intertwined with prayer uh, was one of the attitudes which which were char- characteristic for um, at least a part of the Polish society in that era. So, when trying to understand the the choices and and the attitudes of Polish women of that time, and also of the times of the Second World War. We need to understand the religiosity of the Polish people and how much religious inspiration there could be in, in their daily life and daily profession. Um, here, I also would like to mention that her um, husband was a typesetter, uh, which is going to become very relevant later in her life, uh, and and also might be considered um, one of those stages that I mentioned earlier, uh, one of the things that lead us in life in a certain direction. So um, she uh, she created um, a home which was very warm. Her children remember um, her children remember uh, the home as a place where there was always laughter, singing, um, kindness. Um, her um, All her family played instruments and sang, and she in general was a very joyful person in that period of her life. Fairly quickly, she started a large family. She had three sons, Bronisław named after his father, who was the, the oldest, and then, um, a daughter named Sylvia and two sons, Stanisław and Hendrik. Um, As you can see, she was a fashionable lady, but also a serious one as we can see in the pictures. And she soon became uh, well-known in Łódź as a very good midwife. There are uh, stories about how she um, she, for instance, attend, attended a theatrical um, performance uh, later in the afternoon or even in the evening, dressed in her um, best outfit. And um, in the middle um, of the play, somebody interrupted it and called her name, saying that Mrs. Leszczyńska is is called um, to, to the bedside of, of uh, a woman giving birth. And she would just collect her things and go, um, in the middle of the night, in the in the middle of whatever else she was doing. Um, from that um, from that period in her life, um, there also comes a short prayer which she was known to use throughout her life and career as a midwife, um, which would say, "Virgin Mary, come to my help, even in in even in one shoe." Her children remember that when she was woken up in the middle of the night to go to the woman who was in in the middle of giving birth, she was always um, a little sleepy, so she would always have troubles finding shoes. And um, she would uh, accept this fact that her profession um, demands from her Waking up in the middle of the night and and many other efforts and walking long distances to to her patients, and she would incorporate it in her prayer, um, imagining that um, Virgin Mary is coming just as she is coming, a little sleepy and and in a hurry, and she cannot find her shoe, so that's why she would use this. Uh, sentence Virgin Mary, come to my help, even in one shoe, um, uh, as a prayer. And as you can see, this is this is a happy period of her life. This family looks um, quite happy and content in in the photograph. And this period between between the two wars was uh, was a period which, by her family, was remembered um, as a golden era of their family. And to her it was it was um, it was a period in her life when when she could practice her profession. She was very well well qualified due to the due to the school that she has finished in Warsaw, in Warsaw um, and um, she was known among the inhabitants of wood as a person um, who is very proficient at what she was doing and then in 1939 the war broke out and Poland was partitioned between the Soviet Union and the Nazi Germany and um and Poland was occupied um she lived in the part um under German occupation and she would still um she would still practice uh, her profession of the midwife um Here we can see her family, of course, um, because the period um, in the time has changed and and Poland is occupied and the situation of the Polish people is very difficult, as you can find out from my other lectures. Um, Everybody is very serious in this photograph. And here you can see her sons and, and the daughter already adult. And the moment uh, the war broke out, she was 44. So she was no no longer a young woman. She has already been halfway through her professional career. And um, I would say a woman in her prime, but certainly not a youngster. Um, the curious thing about her family is that All of them got involved in the underground, um, in the Polish underground. Her husband and her oldest son, both named Bolesław, got involved in the uh, National Armed Forces, uh, which was one of the uh, two major underground um, organizations fighting against the occupiers of Poland. As You know, her husband uh, was a typesetter, and since he was working in the printing house, he was involved in the production of forged documents, which would allow the people of the National Armed Forces to be active in various fields of um, sabotage of the, the German occupiers, as well as in uh, intelligence outside of the borders of the occupied Poland in in the Third Reich, but also uh, to help Jews, and in this task he was cooperating with his um, eldest son, who was working um, as a um, tram uh, ticket controller, and when the tram was passing by the um, walls of the ghetto, the um, oldest son, was able to um, transfer the documents to the um, Jewish people uh, with whom he cooperated inside of the ghetto. Unfortunately, this activity of an underground forging unit was um, traced down and due to the betrayal of another member of the underground organization, um, the apartment of um, Stanisława Leszczynska and her husband um, was um, was defined as a, one of the um, one of the points where the uh, opposition activities are taking place. This the story of this betrayal is also quite dramatic because a member of the underground organization uh, was apprehended, and his mother was apprehended and um the the people who interrogated him the germans um said that basically either he he says where the where the forging office is or they will uh, shoot his mother in front of his eyes so he betrayed the location because he was just unable to choose between um between the underground organization and his own mother so this is how um, this is how the Germans found the way to the to the flat of Stanisława Leszczynska and her husband on February 18, 1943. They came into their apartment. the, the um, her husband and her oldest son were not in, um, but she was there with two other sons and her, and and her daughter so the the course of um of events uh, on that night was quite dramatic because her um oldest son Broniswa finally came um, came to the flat in the morning hours and it looked as if he was going to be arrested too um but the moment he was being arrested uh, stanisława asked for uh, asked the uh, gestapo um officer um that uh, he allow uh, her uh, her son to take a sweater and um he Bronisław her son used this moment uh, of uh, uh, of um, decreased attention of the Gestapo officer um to flee uh, he pushed him away and managed to flee from the flat but unfortunately all the other people couldn't flee and um And as a result, Stanisława with her daughter and her two sons uh, was arrested and taken for interrogation. This interrogation took two months and um, she was never keen on talking what happened throughout those two months. She would always say that the most important thing was that she and her four children survived the war and um, she was not really willing to talk about what happened then all in all that interrogation um ended in her being t- uh, being sent to Auschwitz with her daughter and her two sons sent to um, to the camp Mauthausen um the um, um, the oldest son and the husband avoided being arrested and they uh, continued their underground activity throughout the Second World War. So when she came to Auschwitz, um, she got the number of 41,335. Her daughter got the, the number, um, one number higher, so 41,336. And initially, um, she was not uh, working as a midwife at at all. She was working physically as um, as um, somebody transporting clay um, for the construction uh, needs of the camp. Uh, those of you who are interested in, in the fates of people who were Auschwitz concentration camp um, inmates know that the conditions in in the camp for women in Auschwitz-Birkenau for women uh, were much worse than for in the Auschwitz itself, if we can introduce any sort of gradation in in the conditions that one encounters in the death camp. Uh, but the conditions in which uh, Stanisława and her daughter found themselves were, were terrible. Here you can see the living quarters for women, um, the, 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 th- the three-story beds. Uh, on every bed, there were three women. Uh, sleeping uh, of course um, there was filth and they had no bed linen whoever was uh, was sick was also suffering on those beds so they were oftentimes covered in blood and feces and this uh, this was the reality of life uh, for women there of course the the hygienic conditions were were desperate and um, nobody was counting on the inmates living longer than one or two months so this is this is the work environment in which stanisława um was able to find a way to to work as a midwife um luckily for her um uh, one of uh, the the german um officers in the camp sister clara um, fell ill, and Stanisława used this moment um, to try to um, reach to a German doctor to inform him that she's a midwife by profession and that she can replace um, uh, that she can replace Sister Clara. Sister Clara in herself is an interesting um, in is an interesting person and which is very. Um, whose life story is very characteristic for how the how Auschwitz concentration camp functioned and who was being picked um as um, as um, people who take care of the inmates namely sister clara used to be a midwife but she was forbidden from performing her profession for infanticide So a person who was sentenced to go to Auschwitz as an inmate, as a a German inmate, was made supervisor for all the women who were supposed to give birth in in the camp, uh, in spite of the fact that in Germany she was forbidden from performing her profession because she was just unfit for it psychologically. The other person who was helping her was Sister Pfani, who in her previous life in Germany, uh, was a street walker, so those two women were taking care of um, births in Auschwitz until until um, until Stanisława Leszczyńska arrived there, and uh, of course they would perform their duties uh, in line with what um, with what the German um, officers in the camp uh, expected um what was the situation of women arriving in Auschwitz uh, when pregnant those women who were visibly pregnant um were immediately um sent for uh for gas so um nobody was um making um any excuses for them Um, the German law would state that um, um, women who were pregnant were not supposed to be sent to to concentration camps. But in practice, many women who got to the camp when pregnant but not showing um, the signs of pregnancy, that is in early months of the pregnancy, uh, were there in the camp and somebody had to take care of it. So oftentimes those women who who were only um, in the initial stages of their pregnancy, uh, when in the camp, um, they were sent to work and when it was transpiring that they are pregnant, well, they just continued their work until um, they were ready to give birth and a place was organized for, um, for them in a, women's, in a women's block to give birth. And of course, it was as primitive and um, as unhygienic as only uh, we can imagine. And here in, in, the, in the bottom photograph, you can see um, the l- long uh, construction of bricks. This was a, a stove. Was supposed to provide some heating to the barracks um, in winter. In practice, rarely ever uh, anything burned there. So um, the barracks were so cold that there were icicles on on the rooftop uh, inside of the room. But this was the only place which could serve as a a bed uh, on which you can give birth. So this is what. Stanisława used um, for all the uh, deliveries that were taking place there. In her memories, uh, she mentions that the blanket that she uh, used um, as something to cover this uh, stove with was so filthy that she could see lice marching on it uh, to and fro. But this was all uh, she could provide the women with as her as her instruments, she was able to use a pair of rusty manicure scissors and um and a container for um for warm water to get water. she would have to walk twenty minutes uh with a metal um with a metal bucket and she would have to um, bring this water on her own. Of course, there was some sort of curfew uh, after in certain hours, you were not allowed to leave the barrack and you were risking your life to bring the water. So there were many elements of, um, of the daily routine in the concentration camp, which would make her work even more difficult. Uh, but coming back to Sister Clara and Sister Plani, uh before May uh, 1943, the official regulation of um, of uh, of the camp would state that every child that is born in the camp needs to be exterminated. And when Stanisława came to work as a midwife, she was uh, she was told that it doesn't really um, matter if she cuts the umbilical cord or not. For the children, she is allowed to throw them away um, just as they are without even taking care of the umbilical cord. Um, So she she was supposed to just get rid of the child and throw it away into the cold uh, with the placenta still attached. But the um, the general rule was that um, all the children were supposed to be uh, killed after birth. And before she came to work as a midwife, um, before May, 1943, uh, all the children were killed and Sister Clara and Sister Fanny would just drown them, um, drown them in a bucket or in a barrel that they kept uh, in, their, in their own small quarters um so the mothers that would give birth could um right after the birth uh, hear the the gargling sound of their child being drowned and then the um the body of the child was thrown out um of the barrack for um for the rats to eat it uh, so this is the extent of the horror that women had to go through uh but when uh, stanisława leszczyńska came to auschwitz um everything changed and first of all we need to realize that um when she went and volunteered to um, to become the uh to become the midwife it was all there was already risk involved in that because she was not able to predict uh, what what the behavior of the uh, of the German um, Lagerarzt, that that is the the camp doctor, is going to be. Um, theoretically, if he was not in a good mood, he would he could react by shooting her for just approaching him and talking to him uh, when not asked. But she spoke fluent German and um, luckily for her, she was able to somehow take with her to the camp this certificate that she is a midwife. And the accounts of different people differ in this regard. Some say that she was able to smuggle it with, um, in a box of, uh, of um, tooth powder, the substance used for, for cleaning teeth. Uh, that she had on her in her handbag. Some say that she just had handbag on her when arrested, and that the certificate was there because she would use it with um, as a as a proof that she really is a midwife, uh, of which her work card, the Ken card, uh, uh, was saying. This was an obligatory document that you had to have on you all the time when walking in the streets of the occupied zones of Poland, in case uh, somebody decided to to double check your identity. So uh, she had to have the proof of her um, being a midwife on her all the time, also because she would oftentimes need to work at night and um, she would walk in the streets during curfew. So um, she had to somehow show that um, she is allowed to do that by virtue of um, of her profession so it's not clear uh, to me after my research how uh, she managed to have her certificate on her but she did and this is something which made it um, which made it easier for her to identify herself um, as a midwife uh, to the camps uh, doctors and when um she substituted for uh, for sister clara it turned out that she is so proficient as a midwife that it just stayed like this um the um german officials in the camp decided that since um sister clara is not allowed to perform um uh, her um duties as a midwife um officially because she was sentenced for insan- in- infanticide they will just stick to um, to the midwife that um, that um, is one of the inmates, and um, this is how things began changing because uh, Stanisława Leszczyńska refused to kill the children. Of course, um, um, Clara and Pfani would um, would take the children later and dispose of them, uh, but at birth. Nothing would happen to the children. The children would be. um, Stanisława would see to to that that the birth process um, is completed uninterrupted. She would give full possible care to the mother and full possible care to the child. She would cut the umbilical cord. She would take care of the children and. After May 1943, there was a new regulation introduced by the Germans that the um, non-Jewish children are allowed to live as long as they manage to live. Um, Some of them, the blue-eyed ones, and the the blue-eyed, blonde-haired children would be taken um, away from their mothers to Naquo, where there was a special office formed for the Germanization of those Aryan looking children. So some of the children would avoid the terrible fate of of, uh, being in the concentration camp by virtue of their um, uh, Aryan looks. The other children would be left with their mothers to die. um, And the Jewish children would still be taken away and drowned in the barrel of water by Sister Clara and Sister Pfani. Um, I already spoke a little bit about the hygienic conditions and and um, human dignity in, in those um, in those barracks. As you can see, this was terribly cold, terribly unhygienic, terribly dirty, infested with lice and, ver- and other vermin. Uh, many women were um very sick as well because the disease were rampant in the camp but uh, even even so uh Stanisława would sometimes manage to uh use that those conditions to the benefit of mothers and children namely if a if if a child um if a non-jewish child died um because of of the disease or of hunger or of or cold, um, she would try to substitute a Jewish child for it. So if she managed to to do it when Sister Clara and Sister Fanny were not looking, um, but uh, usually they were. But sometimes there there were some circumstances um, that would allow for for the switch of the child. Um, she would do that. Of course as as a a christian um, practitioner and christian believer she would um, baptize all the children that were born Uh, and um, she she would make uh, she would she would go to every length to uh, to um, create conditions in which the children can live um what was the situation of of women who were expecting children um, in Auschwitz. Of course, they they had to work hard. Of course, they were famished. So most of them didn't have um, any um, breast milk uh, when they were giving birth. So um, they were unable to feed their children and many children were just dying of hunger and cold. It was impossible for them to get any children clothing. So often a woman who would uh, be expecting birth would save away her portions of bread to exchange them for uh, for some sheet, a, a linen, bed linen sheet from which she would prepare um, diapers uh, and um, some clothing for the newborn uh one of the um, horrific um memories of uh, stanisława leszczyńska that um, she mentions in in a report that she um uh, first um published or said publicly in 1957 um is is this memory of mothers who are unable to feed their children and their breasts are dry. So the children are trying to suck in search of of food and they cannot find it. So they cry. And the only way to suit their children was to sing lullabies to them. Uh, Stanisława also remembered that um, women would, um, the women who gave birth would draw strength would uh, um, derive strength from from the fact of motherhood the very um the very fact of having given birth and having your child with you uh was a was a ray of of hope to them so they would uh, cling to this experience even even when their children were dying or uh even when um there was a decision that this or other child w- will be taken for um, Germanization. Um, this was another difficult experience, um, which Stanisława was trying to make a little easier for women, namely, whenever the situation would happen, that there was a chance for the child to survive uh, due to the fact that it was Aryan looking. She would really encourage mothers to to part with their child, but she devised a way to make, um, small tattoo in a place which would not be um, visible at the first sight to um, to the um, German officers taking the child away, so that the ident- identification in the future is possible. So the mothers who were forced to part with their children, they could at, le- at least cherish hope that if they survive, they will find the child because it has a tattoo that only they know about uh, and that it can be identified afterwards through the tattoo. Um, some of the documents I read mentioned the armpit as the place of the tattoo. Uh, but again, I believe that the documentary that will soon be available in po- in, in Poland um, will be able to uh, Possibly explain this in more detail. Um, one interesting thing um, about um, Stanisława Leszczynska was that uh, when she was refusing to kill the children um, and to um, when she was insisting on performing all the all, all the activities involved in in the child delivery uh, in a correct way, uh, she would. Um, use a very clever argument that she will not help will not be instrumental in breaking the hippocrates oath that the um that the doctor has taken so she would when talking to the german doctors she would say that she as a as a midwife is not going to help them in any way to break their oath, so she is obliged to save the children by virtue of the medical oath that um, the German doctors were um, had given when when starting their uh, professional path as doctors. So uh, I f- I figured that this was a, a very clever way of of justifying why she was not doing what they expected her to do um especially appealing um to the um, mindset of that day uh, in germany which uh, would uh, respect orders and and official regulations um and take them very seriously um so um she would soon became uh, known among the inmates as um as um, an angel they would refer to her angel or they would refer to her mutti which means mommy um in german and because um she would she would uh, go to such length to help every woman giving birth, that uh, that they would um, appreciate at least um, that um, ray of hope and human dignity and all that terrible situation. Um, some of them remember that when there was no painkillers and the labor would um, um, get very painful and very prolonged, she would sing to, to women giving birth or she would um, or she would comb their hair and, and uh, braid their hair just to just to make it um, in some way easier for for the woman in, in that terrible situation. And uh, here we are uh, entering the realm of uh, of uh, immortal, the realm of of um, immortal mysteries, because even of in, even though the conditions in um, in the death camp were desperate, even though the health conditions of women were terrible, um, not one of the women um, that Stanisława Leszczynska took care of, not one child that she delivered, died at birth. There was there was no um, case of a hemorrhage no case of any infection that would lead to a death of any uh, mother um, that gave birth in Auschwitz. And um, in her report she just described a situation in which uh, one of the camp doctors asked her to uh, report on the number of of uh, mothers deaths, children's deaths at birth, the number of Um, of complications after birth and and their types. And when she said that not one of her patients died, um, the doctor couldn't believe. He exclaimed that even the best German clinics don't have such uh, um, results and she delivering in filth and and without any uh, medical um, provisions is able to to get this fabulous result how how can that be so um how can that be just a little bit of statistics for um to end this um this uh uh, story uh for two years that she that stanisława leszczyńska spent in auschwitz she has delivered um more than 3,000 children. Um, Approximately 1,500 were killed after birth uh, by Sister Clara and Sister Fanny by um, drowning. Um, More than 1,000 died of hunger and cold. Um, Approximately 500 were sent uh, for Germanization, and 30 survived. Um, out of those 30, um, 17 later on, uh, contacted um, later on in their lives when they were already adult, um, contacted Stanisława Leszczyńska and, and um, were able to thank her in person for saving their lives. <clears throat> what was happening after the war was also characteristic of Stanisława Leszczyńska. Um, first of all, she worked in Auschwitz for nine days after everybody ran away from the camp. Um, the the Germans marched everybody out of the camp uh, before it was overtaken by the Red Army. But um, Stanisława um, and one more uh, and a doctor who uh, was with her, um, a female doctor who was with her, refused to go. They they stayed um to help the women um, whose labor uh, was beginning or who were uh, to give birth soon. And uh, they remained in the camp uh, until it was liberated on January 27, 1945. After a brief stay in Krakow for um, all the people uh, who um, who used to be concentration camps, uh, concent- the concentration camp inmates, uh, she came back to watch uh, to her hometown. Uh, what I also would like to mention here was that throughout her uh, stay in Auschwitz, she was there with her daughter Sylvia. Her daughter was helping her as much as she could, uh, but um, not being... A, a midwife, she was obliged to perform other kinds of work and was oftentimes sick. Twice, there was a situation that her daughter was selected for gas and twice Stanisława Leszczyńska hugged her so tight that nobody was able to separate them. And she said she she would not let her daughter go alone and that she will go with her. And both times, the officials in the camp were so determined to keep Stanisława working as a mid, as a midwife, and they needed her so badly that they said, OK, your daughter is staying, she's not going to be gassed. So um, Stanisława was not only brave in her performance of, of her everyday duties, she was also a, a very devoted mother and a person ready to risk her own life to save her daughter's life, and this is um, what happened. Her daughter survived the camp and she came back to watch with her mother. Later on, um, two of the sons came back from concentration camps, as well as the son who uh, who managed to escape um, from from the initial arrest. The only person who didn't survive the war was Stanislava's husband. And um, he, after his family was arrested, he, he was active in the underground and during the Warsaw Uprising, which was um, the largest insurrection against the Germans during the Second World War, about what you may find out from other Kościuszko-Czar lectures, uh, he was killed uh, when defending uh, Warsaw. So Stanisława comes back to Łódź only to find out that her domestic happiness is no longer going to come back. Um, Her beloved husband died and she has to start her life anew. Uh, But she would always focus on her children and she would always emphasize that it was a miracle that all of her children came back. And she believed that all her children came back because she was very dutiful when performing her uh, work as a midwife. And she would say that she took every care of every child that she was delivering in the concentration camp. And this is why her children came back because she was always faithful to, um, to her vocation and she was always saving lives. After the war, her um, health condition was much worsened and so was the condition of her daughter. But nevertheless, Stanisława would work as a midwife uh, for um, another 13 years. She stopped practicing uh, midwifery in 1958. And after she stopped doing this, she focused on helping her daughter raise her children um, because um, her daughter would always remain fragile uh, after her uh, concentration camp experiences. What is also um, important here is the attitude that Stanisława took uh, after um, Auschwitz. Uh, She wouldn't really talk about her experiences at all um many of the younger members of her family didn't even um realize what an or- what an ordeal it was they knew she was in the camp but she would never delve into details and because it was not interesting to the uh, afterward generation um they weren't asking um and what Stanis- what stanisława was always Emphasizing was that um, one should focus on the human side uh, of uh, on the human side of of uh, of the matters there. She would always emphasize that she she was trying to think about everyone as a human being, as a person, and this included also the German supervisors of the camp who were responsible for all the suffering of all the people there. <clears throat> what made her talk about her wartime experiences was in fact one of her sons all of them uh, lived to become doctors and one um and one of um i'm sorry two of them became doctors one of them became an and uh, an artist and an architect and uh, one of her sons persuaded her Uh, to talk about her experiences in Auschwitz, especially because he was finding the fact that none of the women um, and none of the children that she was taking care of um, uh, uh, died at birth, he found this fact extraordinary um so she um she wrote a brief report which um can be found um on a website uh, related to the um Polish uh, um to the Auschwitz Auschwitz-Birkenau Museum and the link to to the report will be provided with this video so that everyone can read for themselves the English, English version of the um of the report she also published a book uh, uh about her experiences when she was retired uh, she used her time to write it the book is entitled no one must never kill children and it is a longer version of of her uh, brief report from 1957 and um, and um um and in which she expands on on certain ideas uh from the report and on certain memories um here i would also like to um talk a little bit about the 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 fate of the children because um stanisława was especially um fond of children and and the reason why she was working as a midwife Uh, was because uh, she loved children. And every time she would um, recollect um, in her memory the the events and moments she spent in Auschwitz, she would say that whenever a child was born, she felt as if she was present at um, at, um, uh, God's birth. So to her, her work uh, as a midwife and her service to women in labor, uh was also um a spiritual experience so i i i think it is important to understand uh who she was because um it's it's so amazing that in her this uh, spiritual aspect of her work and and her professionalism intertwine and and become a motivation in the situation in in which it is really hard to get motivated and um and also she was able to find joy in in delivering children even though she knew that um that their life is not going to be long that uh, that they will probably die from hunger and 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 the conditions in which they came to life Uh, but nevertheless um the the fact of birth and and the child in her arms w- would be an um, immense source of awe, never never ending source of joy. And uh, I think this is this is where we touch the the secret of um this the secret of of her life attitude like her firm pro-life stance is because she was able to understand the the miracle of life because she would wit- she witnessed the miracle of life in the most extreme negative conditions and and she was able to fight for for the miracle of life in in those conditions so I I think it is very inspiring to even try to imagine ourselves in that situation and and how she tackled the task uh, might be something which makes us think about um, the real motivation for work but also the real motivation for um, keeping to to be human and keeping to be good. Uh, Here I would also like to read a brief uh, a brief excerpt from her report Uh, which she found um, extraordinary and one of the most dramatic stories that she witnessed. uh, Because I just want to give you a feel of the document and and maybe encourage you to read it on your own. So this is the story of the woman of Vilno. Vilno. Out of all the tragedies I saw there is one uh, I remember most vividly. The story of a woman from Vilno sent to Auschwitz for aiding resistance fighters. As soon as she had given birth, her number was called, when prisoners were summoned to report they were called by their prison numbers. I went to excuse her, but that didn't help. It only infuriated the SS staff. I realized that she was going to be sent to the crematorium. She wrapped her baby in a dirty sheet of paper and pressed it to her bosom. Her lips moved in silence. Perhaps she was trying to sing a lullaby for her baby as mothers often did to make up for the cold hunger and torments their babies had to suffer. The Vilnian had no strength left to sing, only tears came from under her eyelids and fell on the condemned baby's head. It's hard to tell what was the most tragic, the simultaneous death of these two beings who were so dear to each other, or the mother's agony on watching the death of her child, or her dying before the baby and leaving it to its own fate. So these are the dilemmas that uh, women in Auschwitz folk uh, face daily. And the dilemma that Stanisława Leszczyńska witnessed all over again for the two years that she spent in Auschwitz um, as uh, as a midwife. And um, still, was able to perform her work with all the dedication and, um, and strength and support for, for women, which, uh, which resulted in them calling her mommy. <laughs> At present, um, um, the beatification process of Stanisława Leszczyńska is ongoing. Uh, she, so far, she has been announced as servant of God um in 1992 and um and the process um is hopefully going to find a conclusion in beatification or canonization of course for it to to be um to be finished um, we need miracles so we need somebody to be healed or or uh, or miraculously um saved from from the threat of death uh, when praying to her so this is like like a um catholic thing important for all the people who who are catholic um but it is important to mention here that um that she um she has been recognized by the catholic church in poland uh, as one of of uh, important women uh, who were witnesses to catholic faith um her um her um, her person can be seen here uh she has been portrayed um on a votive um chalice uh, that has been offered uh, by Polish women in the most important Polish sanct- sanctuary of the Fair Mountain um when uh, 600 uh, anniversary of uh, of the sanctuary uh, was being celebrated and um a special chalice uh, was offered for uh, for um, for the purpose of of performing a mass and four women important for the Polish history uh, uh were portrayed on it, uh, Saint Hedwig of Silesia, Saint Hedwig d'Anjou, Blessed Maria Teresa Laduchowska, and Stanisława Leszczyńska, who is portrayed hugging a naked child um in her um in her prison garb. Um so this is a portrait from her work in Auschwitz obviously and and the the child is naked because it it symbolizes her work as um as a midwife um what i also found interesting uh when the, when getting to the point uh where she was universally um when she died uh, considered universally as a saint because this is one, one of the notions that uh may uh may be an argument for opening the the beatification process is that when she was dying of cancer in 1974, 1974 um uh, she uh, refused to um, take pain medic pain medications offering her suffering for um for for other um, rep- rep- repentance of, of sins for for other sinners so, of course, not everybody is Catholic and not everybody understands the, um the uh, intricacies of the of the Catholic faith. But for those who are Catholic, this is uh, this is just one more proof that uh, she lived the gospel and and that her um, that her life was was a life of devotion, um, devotion to God and to Virgin Mary through through work and through prayer um so um hopefully Stanisława Leszczyńska um will will still be um an important person to uh, people uh, who are practicing medical profession in Poland i hope she will also serve as an inspiration uh, to everyone who is looking for um motivation for their professional work uh i personally find her a formidable woman and a formidable human being um reading the report um was um was an important experience for me because i even though the report is very brief um i through its sober and short form uh i could see how um, how perceptive and, and how sensitive to the needs of other people this woman was. But at the same time, um, she was no drama queen at all. Her way of reporting is very succinct um, and very informative, even though you can see that she was passionate about what she was doing. Uh, so I think it is important to, to talk about Polish women heroes uh, of the Second World War. I think it is very important to understand that uh, being a hero uh, doesn't really require any battlefield. uh, And sometimes uh, just remaining humane and remaining just is all we need. Um, So to finish my lecture, um, I hope that you will read the report. And uh, as the very last conclusion, I would like to read, Um, the excerpts of the report uh, that describe the children born in in Auschwitz concentration camp um, and the inspiration um, that was, uh, and the inspiration that they uh, were for Stanisława Leszczyńska uh, that propelled her through her professional life and allowed her to survive the most horrific ordeal and become a point of reference, a help, and a mother, not only to her own daughter, but also to all the women um, whom she was helping, and in a way also to their children whom she delivered. Thank you. So here are um, the words I'm... And I am describing them as mommy's last words, but they are not last words, um, the ones that she uttered at the end of her life, but the ones that she finishes the report with. Among all these ghastly memories, uh, there is one thought that lingers in my mind. All the babies were born alive. They all wanted to live. Contrary to all expectations, and in spite of the extremely inauspicious conditions, All the babies born in the concentration camp were born alive, delightful, and plump. Nature defied hatred and extermination and stubbornly fought for her rights, drawing on an unknown reserve of vitality. So far, I have not had an opportunity to deliver a midwife's report from Auschwitz. I am presenting my account on behalf of the mothers and children. Those who could not tell the world about
0: the wrong done them. Thank you.